0: walmart.com is launching deals for days starting at 7 p.m. on june 20th with huge savings on the hottest items up to 40 percent off select tech up to 50 percent off select toys and up to 60 percent off summer fashion items get the deals while supplies last that's deals for days starting june 20th at walmart.com
1: the leslie marshall show a true democracy in talk radio of for and by you the people
0: live from Washington, D.C. every Wednesday from 3 to 4 p.m. for an hour-long Generation Progress Takeover.
2: Check us out at GenProgress.org or on Twitter at GenProgress.
0: Hello and welcome to the Generation Progress Takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. I am your co-host, Charlotte Hancock.
2: And I'm your other co-host, Edwith Diagee.
0: Hey, Edward, How's it going? Good. How are you doing, Charlotte? I'm good. It's nice to hear your voice. (laughs) You too. (laughs) Uh, Well... Um, We've got a great show uh, lined up today, but on a very serious subject um, and a subject that is something that Generation Progress has worked on for years and the young folks in our network have um, led on for years as well. Uh, This month is Gun Violence Awareness Month. Uh, It's a time to reflect on the gun violence epidemic that plagues this country and also disproportionately harms Black and Brown communities. Um, Last year, a year that saw many Americans struggling with loss of family and friends, uh, life-altering illness, and economic crises due to the COVID-19 pandemic, was also unfortunately the deadliest year for gun violence in decades, according to the Washington Post. Um, And then this year is looking even worse. So thus far in 2021, gun violence has killed more than 8,100 people in the United States. So since gun violence can take many different forms, from domestic violence to mass shootings to police violence, we also need solutions to gun violence to be multi-layered, multifaceted, um, and come at this issue from all angles. Um, you know, we've made some progress in spreading awareness of the crisis and the harms perpetrated by the gun industry, you know, the NRA. Um, But it has remained extremely difficult to make significant progress to end the gun violence epidemic at the federal level, despite the fact that a majority of Americans support legislative reforms to prevent gun violence. So to discuss what the takeaways from this Gun Violence Awareness Month uh, should be and how people can get involved in addressing this epidemic moving forward, we are joined by two awesome and expert guests. Um, I wanna go ahead and welcome Greg Jackson. He is the National Advocacy Director for the Community Justice Action Fund. Hi, Greg, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Hello, thank you, thanks for having me. Yeah, good to hear
0: your voice, yeah, awesome. Um, And then I also wanna give a special welcome to Bella Delacio, a former policy associate with March for Our Lives. Bella, thanks so much for joining us. Hi,
3: thank you so much for having me. I'm actually a current policy associate at Martro. Oh,
0: I am so sorry. Yes. Uh, I <laughs> no, to, I it's mis- okay. I misspoke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thanks for joining us. Um, so uh, let's, let's jump right in here. Um, to start us off, Greg, uh, we are glad to have you back on the show. Um, good to hear your voice again. Uh, can you give us a little bit of a refresher um, on the work for you know, folks who might just be joining us for the first time um, on the work that uh, your org, CJF, does and what your role is within the organization?
1: Yes. Um, so I serve as the advocacy director um, and at, at the Community Justice Action Fund. Our mission is to end gun violence in the communities that have been most impacted by leading with the survivors and the leaders of those in those communities. And so what that means is that we advocate for change um, that's community driven, that's community led, and that puts survivors uh, and those directly impacted in the front of the room um, as we think through how to address this crisis.
2: That's
0: awesome. Thanks so much. Yes, and, you know, just hugely important work, um, especially to have directly impacted folks uh, leading the charge and sort of talking about the solutions that we need here. Um, And then, Bella, I'm going to kick it over to you. Can you give us a little bit uh, more about the mission of March for Our Lives and how you came to this work?
3: Yeah, so March for Our Lives was founded um, in 2018 after the Parkland shooting, um, so basically, it's a youth led prevention gun violence prevention movement um, with our mission to not allow one more person to be killed by senseless gun violence in this nation. Um, I personally got involved in this work because I lived in Parkland when I was in elementary school, so I went to uh, school with a lot of the students who were there during the shooting. Um and I'll never forget that day. It was one of the most traumatizing days in my life, um receiving videos of my former elementary school classmates just you know like bleeding out on the floor in the high school and yelling in fear for their lives. And that really um, shook something in me. And the next year, I went to college and I realized, you know, gun violence had always been around me in in Florida in all forms, but I was so desensitized to it because it's so common. And having that drastic change of going to college out of state just kind of made me realize how um, awful this issue is in this nation and how we can't wait for action. So that's why I got involved.
0: Thanks so much, Bella, and thanks for sharing. Um, I can't even imagine. And I appreciate the work that you do and um, the work that March for Our Lives has been leading and really just highlighting how young people are constantly bringing solutions to our problems um, to federal legislators and demanding change in action. So grateful for the work you all do as well. Um, Yeah, for sure. Um, So, According, um, as I mentioned in our intro here, like according to data from 2020 last year, um, this might surprise some people, I think, because uh, to some people last year maybe felt like a quiet year where everybody stayed at home. So um, I'm, I'm not sure how shocking to some of our listeners this might be. But last year was the deadliest year of gun violence in decades, and it looks like twenty twenty one could be even worse. So, Greg, I'm wondering, at a high level, uh, why are we seeing this trend continue to worsen?
1: Yeah, there, there are really, you know, I'd say three major factors to to point to. You know, I think a big assumption, first of all, is that people assume that home is a safe place, and unfortunately, in too many parts of our country, our homes and our neighborhoods are not safe. You know, whether it's violence that happens in the home, whether it's domestic violence or intimate partner related, or whether it's communities that have been historically suffering from gun violence um, and there have been no real remedies or solutions implemented. And so when we look at COVID-19 and its impact, a lot of the neighborhoods that have been impacted by violence historically, the root causes that led to that, whether that's housing instability, economic inopportunity, education inequality, all of those factors were intensified um, during the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, in fact, the Department of Treasury acknowledged that when they rolled out their American Rescue Plan dollars and stated that part of the COVID-19 relief funding should go to violence prevention strategies in neighborhoods that have been suffering from violence historically and have seen these huge spikes. The other major reason that we saw this big jump is that the the, the fear-mongering that happened um, from our gun industry, from uh, gun manufacturers and from the gun lobby across the country has really utilized this moment of uncertainty, this moment of distress, and use it as a chance to profit, frankly, um, by marketing to inner city folks about the uh, inability for police to be um, support or, or to protect them, and then marketing to our suburban and rural folks that the challenges in inner cities um, will spill into their neighborhoods if they don't arm themselves. And so we saw a historic spike in gun sales Um, based on fear that was driven by uh, the gun industry.
0: Thanks so much for sharing, Greg. Yeah, um, I think one of the points that you mentioned, um, I want to reiterate and drive home. Um, you know, people assume home is a safe place. And um, I think it's important to flag um, how many of our gun deaths are related to um, domestic and intimate partner violence um, and uh, suicide as well. So um, I think that's Im- uh, an important highlight in this um, that needs, to, that needs to be talked about more. Um, I think we have just a, another minute or so here before we hop over um, to commercial break. Um, and so I think, Bella, I wanna ask, um, why is it that young people um, are at a higher risk of gun violence than older Americans? Um, and then we'll hop over to commercial.
3: Um, I think that young people face the burdens of a lot of the gun violence issue in this nation. I mean, for instance, one of the main reasons or main proponents of gun violence this past year was children um, dying in accidental shootings in the home involving, um, you know, firearms. And a lot of that is like safe storage. So we have um, a lot of students who are also, you know, mentally ill who might be having suicidal thoughts. Having access to a gun isn't the safest thing for them in the household um, and just being, in, you know, the streets as well, in unsafe communities. Those are all things that young people, instead of having, you know, after-school programs to go to, they have to be outside facing the burdens of gun violence. And there are many reasons, but I think that those are um, a
0: few. Thanks so much, Bella. And when we come back from this commercial break, Greg, I want to dive a little bit more deeply into the communities disproportionately impacted by the gun violence epidemic. You are listening to the Generation Progress takeover of The Leslie Marshall Show, and we'll be right back after this commercial break.
1: If you miss Leslie on TV this week, catch up at lesliemarshallshow.com. Follow Leslie on Twitter. Just go to www.twitter.com slash Leslie Marshall, and we'll be sure to share your tweets.
2: Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Generation Progress Takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. I'm your co-host, Edwith with And I'm
0: Charlotte Hancock.
2: Thank you. Um, Today we are talking about Gun Violence Awareness Month, and we're joined with Greg Jackson from Community Justice. uh, I always forget the name, Community Justice Action Fund. And we're also joined by Bella from March for Our Lives. Thank you both for joining us. Um, We're going to jump right back into conversation. We just finished with a good segment. So, Greg, this question is for you. I feel like there's a lot of stigma and misunderstandings around gun violence. Can you tell us which communities are disproportionately impacted by gun violence?
1: Yeah, no problem. I think um, one of the biggest misconceptions is that gun violence is only what you see on on the media, frankly, which is mass shooting incidents um, or one-off kind of horrific moments um, in suburban parts of America. Um, but in reality, the majority of deaths from gun violence uh, come from suicide. And the second leading cause is uh, homicide. And when we look at homicide, over 76% of those that we lose to homicide are from black and brown communities. It's gotten to a point now where gun violence is now the number one cause of death for black men under 44 for black youth of all genders. um, And the number two cause of death for black women and Latino men. Um, And so this is a a crisis that is surging and unfortunately has become uh, life or death, frankly, for two major populations in our country.
2: Yeah. Bella, do you want to chime in on that, too? Yeah, I'd love to. So I think it's really important for people to know how gun violence
3: occurs. And a lot of people think gun violence is just people with mental health issues causing violence, when in reality, people with mental illness are more likely to be victims of gun violence than perpetrators. Um, At March for Our Lives, we're really trying to, you know, identify these forces and root causes of gun violence with our advocacy, and we have named those five forces that we believe are responsible for gun violence, and those are gun glorification, armed supremacy, political apathy and corruption, poverty and the national mental health crisis. And uh, my colleague, Tatiana, she put it perfectly. Republicans tend to want to blame mental health when it comes to gun violence, and Democrats want to blame guns, but those aren't solutions. We need to focus on the root causes and the systemic issues, and we need to focus on poverty. We need to address why people turn to a gun and how we can give Americans a better livelihood so that they don't have to.
1: Yeah, and I'd love to add in there, Bella made a good point about uh, mental health. I think when you look at homicide and and gun violence in Black and Brown communities, The dominant narrative is that this is crime-related, gang-related, drug-related. When you look at the actual statistics, 68% of gun-related homicides in the Black community are not connected to any other crime. And so what that tells us is that a lot of these moments are interpersonal conflicts to get out of hand. They are incidents of passion. uh, They're incidents of interpersonal um, um, beef or, or just, frankly, an argument that blows up um, and a lot of that is, is, is a direct correlation to the stressors in life that push someone to take lethal action. And there are so many risk factors that we can point to that lead to someone uh, using gun violence as a way to, to, to solve a conflict. Um, but it's not necessarily just a connection to crime. And, and that's a big misconception we have to combat in our media and how we think about this issue.
2: Yeah, that's really great. I think you and Bella really add some context to the nuance that is usually lost when people talk about gun violence, right? Because it just it's such a different picture and you all are really digging deep into the root causes and like talking about all the different factors that come into play. Um, Greg, this question is for you. What should people come away from Gun Violence Awareness Month knowing more about?
1: I think the, the main thing that folks need to know is that there are real evidence-based solutions um, that reduce violence uh, tremendously, that are not being invested in, that are not being supported, and are not being advocated for. Uh, one of the biggest ones is just simply uh, resources for survivors of gun violence. Uh, if we look at any major incident, whether it's a shooting in Chicago or the, the mass shooting in Atlanta, the big common theme is that the survivors get very little, if any, type of resources or support to help them navigate through their trauma. And that fuels that cycle of violence and that cycle of retaliation. You know, I'm a survivor of gun violence. And when I arrived at the hospital, I wasn't met with therapists. I wasn't met with support or resources. I was met with investigators who questioned me and criminalized me as I was fighting for my life. And that's what so many people in our communities go through. The second thing I want to remind folks is that There are real, real, real resources that are needed to address this crisis before it happens. And right now, our federal government, our states, our local, they've been pouring money into simply reactive strategies like policing, like our criminal justice system, but have neglected the preventative measures and the preventative strategies and tactics that we know can help um, with just a little bit of investment.
0: Yeah, and I I think some of what you just mentioned there, Greg, um, those are not only reactive uh, things that the federal government is doing, they're exacerbating um, the issue, isn't that right? I mean, uh, uh, sort of escalating um, incarceration, escalating police presence um, kind of makes it more likely for gun violence to happen.
1: Yeah, I mean... if you really step back and think about it, you know, it doesn't make sense to meet violence with violence, right? Um, and unfortunately, in too many situations, we are adding more armed individuals into communities that are already suffering at the hands of a few armed individuals. And so, of course, we, we look at the badge and we look at the, the institutions and we, we think about the oppression of it. But at the, at the end of the day, if you just step back, the way that we reduce violence is not by adding more aggressive forces into the community or into the conflict. We need to think about how do we get to people before they get to that point and de-escalate. Um, and frankly, the, the, the organizations and the individuals that are most equipped to de-escalate are typically peers, um, whether it's a friend, whether it's a community member, whether it's a family member. And all over the country, we have thousands of organizations that are focused on trauma-informed uh, strategies that de-escalate conflicts before they c- become lethal. And they do that by empowering the communities and empowering the people that live in these neighborhoods. And we've seen these, these tactics um, reduce violence by upwards of 80% in cities. And the President of the United States himself in his Rose Garden Address on April 8th acknowledged that these strategies worked, acknowledged the resources that were needed, acknowledged the impact they can have, uh, and committed to put resources into these efforts but we're still waiting on Congress to take action, We're waiting on governors, we're waiting on mayors. And it's, it's kind of a shame that we have solutions that work, but yet we're still pouring resources and time and energy into reactive strategies that in a lot of situations are adding more fuel to the fire.
2: Yeah, I feel like you're giving me some hope. It seems like such a simple resolve, like a simple solution or path forward. Um, but we do need people to act. And it's unfortunate that we don't. I think as we talked about at the top of this meeting, this is gonna require a multi-layered, multi-faceted approach, which I think you and Bella have walked us through a little bit of some things that we should be thinking about as you talked about different resources that are available and different like avenues of solutions and community support. Um, so we're gonna dig deeper into some of these solutions when we get back. This is the Generation Progress Takeover, the Leslie Marshall Show, and we'll be right back after this message.
0: progress takeover of the leslie marshall show i am your co-host charlotte hancock and i'm your other co-host with thea jean and today we've got some great guests joining us uh, welcome back to greg jackson um, from the community justice action fund and bella delacio from uh, march for our lives it's great to have you both with us um, so right before we went to the commercial break we were talking about the gun violence epidemic and um, the various forms that it takes, the different communities it impacts um, and how it touches different people's lives differently. So we obviously need like a multifaceted multi-pronged um, approach to solving this. Um, so I want to sort of uh, ask, a couple questions about the different things that we can do here, you know, federal, local, um, making sure that community involvement is present. So um, my first question is here, um, at a high level, what will it take to solve the gun violence epidemic in its various forms? And Bella, I'm gonna start with you and ask you what you think some of the solutions are at the federal level level are, and like what some of the levers are that policymakers, legislators can be pulling at the moment.
3: Yeah, so there's a lot of ways. Um, For starters, at March for Our Lives, we're asking the administration to appoint a director of gun violence prevention because it is a public health issue um, that is taking the lives of over 100 Americans every day. So we need someone to take like a survivor-centered perspective and bring that to the White House. Um, And also, you know, in Congress, you know, Congress hasn't passed gun violence prevention legislation in over 27 years. And we definitely need them to act and act fast. But like we've mentioned before, gun violence isn't a monolithic issue. It varies by community. So there's not going to be you know, one save all bill in Congress, but there will be certain steps that could you know, help mitigate the issue like universal background checks, addressing gun trafficking. Um, And, you know, a lot of funding, a lot of funding for community violence intervention programs and things like that. So if we have that support and those models in Congress, um, I know that Biden has also released a lot of model bills um, for ERPOs and things like that. And those could be applied to the state level. But I think it really depends on your community. So at the federal level, it's just so important for them to do something about it.
0: Thanks, Bella. And uh, for folks who don't know, ERPO is Extreme Risk Protection Order, right? That's, um, is yeah. that what that stands for? Okay, great. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay. I mean, so it's basically where <laughs> it's just sort of like do something. Something is better than nothing. And you guys have lots of options here. Uh, the Senate needs to stop sort of stonewalling. Um, so Greg, um, hopping over to you for a second, I want to um, ask you to take, um, take on what can be done at the state and local level.
1: Yeah, I, I think um, just a step back for a second, when we think about it strategically, we need to see this for what it is. It's a public health crisis. And if we need a playbook about how we deal with public health crises, we've just lived it right through the COVID-19 response. So when we think about COVID-19, what do we do? The first thing is we try to figure out how do we save the lives of those who have already contracted it? How do we isolate and protect folks who haven't been exposed to it? And then how do we create solutions, right? How do we create a vaccine or different things to prevent future folks from being impacted? And I really think that gun violence is a similar crisis, but also takes a similar approach. We first have to think about the people who have already been impacted, the survivors um, the family members who have lost someone, and what type of resources and tools and healing can we offer those individuals to kind of cut off this cycle of violence and the retaliation is likely to happen? Then second, we need to think about how do we address the access to firearms and how do we address the risk factors that lead to someone acting out violently Um, using guns. And that whole strategy is where we do look at universal background checks, we do look at the Charleston loophole, but we also look at investing in community violence solutions, we look at dismantling laws that encourage violence, like stand your ground um, rules, and so just looking at all of those measures that actually uh, encourage violence or encourage the exposure of future people um, and then lastly, we have to think about what are the real solutions? If folks, feel, if folks feel unsafe in their neighborhoods or unsafe in their homes, how do we create alternatives to make folks safe? How do we make sure that neighborhoods are healthy, that they have schools, they have job opportunities, they have economic opportunities, so that you don't have the same level of desperation um, that may lead to violence or, or crime? And also, how do we address the fear that lives throughout our country, um, whether that's fear from each other because of racial bias, whether that's fear of our our police system and law enforcement because of historic historic oppression, um, or if it's just outright fear of not having that sense of community across our country. And so I really think if we think about it in those three kind of components, just like we would address every other public health crisis in our country, we can make a significant change on addressing gun violence. And that can be done at the local level, at the state level, and at the federal level.
2: I love that. That's definitely like an approach that Generation Progress also supports, too. And I think really looking at it from a public health crisis standpoint is so important because a lot of the times people are like, let's just get the guns off the street. Let's just like, you know, whatever quick slap a Band-Aid onto it to make to fix the situation. But it needs to be more thoughtful and more intentional and also appreciate that you and Bella have both talked about centering um, survivors of gun violence and providing them resources and support. Uh, Bella, kind of pivoting but staying on the same topic, uh, what are your thoughts? Like, how can we make sure that communities of color and young people are prioritizing these solutions?
3: So there's so many, um, people already doing the work to end gun violence on the community level all around the country. And often, you know, big national groups get a lot of the recognition, but it's really the work of the people in the communities who are making a difference. And so it's so important that when lawmakers are creating legislation that they loop in these people because they're the ones who know what's going to work in their own community. Um, Like I said before, gun violence is not, you know, a monolith. You can't handle the whole entire issue throughout the entire nation. You have to use a holistic approach per community. So it's so important for lawmakers to really make an effort to center young people, to center communities of color. And also, you know, sometimes if they're not giving you that seat at the table, I think that it's important for people to, you know, go up and take their own. For instance, maybe your community has a lot of police violence, so we need more people to join police oversight commissions in their communities so that they can keep that in check. Or maybe a community really needs to remove um, student resource officers from their, from their schools because that's harming young people. And so that's something that young people can advocate for. Um, or just increase violence intervention funding for community-based violence intervention programs. Those are people who should be looped into these solutions. So the they all vary um, across communities, but looping in communities of color, young people, and having those conversations and making an effort to have a conversation with those people
2: can dramatically change gun violence in this nation. Totally agree. We definitely think that you get the best solutions and the best outcomes and the people who are closest to the issue are part of the solution. Um, that's really exciting. And thank you so much for sharing that, Bella. I do have another question. I know March for just recently released an interesting report about democracy and the filibuster and you all have been also in the democracy space. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about how democracy reform is related to gun violence prevention? Yeah, so um,
3: in, you know, in context of like the For the People Act, the bill, that bill itself would restore the right to vote for former incarcerated individuals. And, you know, black communities are disproportionately impacted by the carceral state. So policies created to disenfranchise the formerly incarcerated often disenfranchise black citizens. And it creates, like, these missing voices in our electoral system. So these missing voices are particularly important within the gun violence prevention movement. Um, 57% of Black respondents know someone who has been shot in comparison to 43% of white respondents and members of their community are often unrepresented by um, those in office. So that is, like, incredibly important when it comes to democracy reform. And another thing is automatic voter registration. Uh, This is a component which will bring more young people automatically into the process because we know that young people should be out there voting. Um, Our voice matters. It's our future. So we're really big on getting young people to vote here in March for Lives. But also another big aspect is getting big money out of politics. We have the gun lobby who donates so much money to our politicians and it makes them unable to vote for a common-sense gun violence prevention legislation. And so that's why we haven't seen a gun violence prevention bill in Congress in 27 years past, mm-hmm. because there's so many, um, you know, politicians who are just accepting so much money from the gun lobby and the NRA and want to appease, you know, their partners at the NRA that they won't put the safety of young Americans, of people of color, or Americans in general over their pockets. And that's something that we have to reform in our democracy. Otherwise, we can't have
2: another bill pass. Oh my gosh, retweet everything of that. (laughs) Totally agree. The For the People Act is a great uh, critical bill that would basically expand access to voting for so many people. And just like we talked about, just like I said, like just a breath ago, you know, that the people closest to the issue um, give us the the best outcomes and better solutions. And we can't have a functioning democracy without it including all of us. So we're gonna continue digging deep into this issue and talking about this. I think it's super critical and appreciate our guest. This is the Leslie Marsh- This is the generation Progress takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show and we'll be right back after these messages.
1: Follow Leslie on Twitter. Just go to www.twitter.com/leslie Marshall and we'll be sure to share your tweets.
0: back to the generation in progress takeover of the leslie marshall show i like when our producer uses that re-intro i feel so energized when i come back to this i know <laughs> uh, i was just yeah. like thinking of tiktok dances with that yeah <laughs> i know i mean maybe this dates us but i don't actually know any tiktok dances uh
2: <laughs> oh i'm not i'm not good at them i just i see them i see them <laughs>
0: So welcome back to the Generation Progress Takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. I'm Charlotte Hancock uh, with my wonderful co-host, Ed with Theogene. Um, and we're glad to have y'all back with us. Um, we are talking today about uh June is Gun Violence Awareness Month, and we're talking today about um, what the problem is, uh, how people can get involved in addressing the epidemic moving forward. Um, And I want to welcome back our great guests. We've got Greg Jackson um, from the Community Justice Action Fund. Greg, thanks so much for being with us. And then also Bella DeLacio from March for Our Lives. And we're glad to have you both back here on the show. Um, So we were talking about solutions. We're talking about solutions at the federal level, things that Congress can do. Uh, we we're talking about solutions at the state level, um, things governors, um, state legislatures, you know, mayors can do. Um, and then we were also talking about how we ensure that communities of color and young people are prioritized in these solutions as people who are disproportionately impacted by the gun violence epidemic. Um, so what do you, what should people be asking for? Um, Greg, maybe I can start with you. Uh, what should people be asking for from Congress and from, um, this administration? I know, um, as you said, uh, President Biden has already indicated that this is a priority issue for him and, um, had a, a huge announcement on reinvesting, um, money and um, sort of budgeting for this for these solutions Um, but what are what exactly are we asking for and who are we applying pressure to
1: yeah great question um so yeah as the president's already said that he wants to invest uh five billion dollars in his american jobs plan to um go towards community-led violence prevention and intervention strategies and so we need congress to follow through with that we know the american jobs plan also known as the infrastructure bill, um, is one of the largest investments in American history in our economy. Um, But we have to make sure that uh, efforts like this that um, prioritize those who are most vulnerable um, are protected through the negotiations. And so we need our congressional members at the Senate and the House side to protect these $5 billion, to invest in these solutions and fund the peace, frankly, um, as opposed to paying for death and and allowing these dollars to, to drift off into other projects that may stimulate the economy, um, but won't save lives at the same time the way this $5 billion could. Um, we also also want to flag that um, the president uh, sent out guidance from the Department of Treasury and the Department of Education stating that states, counties, and cities should use part of their COVID relief funds to invest in violence prevention strategies to ensure that children are safe and also to address the a uh, big spike in violence that was a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. So they've already initiated that guidance, but we need states, uh, governors and mayors and county commissioners to release these funds um, and put them in the communities in a way that the federal government uh, envisioned. And right now there are too many states and too many cities that are not using these funds to invest in saving lives. Um, so we need to hold them accountable and that's in pretty much every major city and state across the country.
0: So, folks need to be calling their mayors and calling their governors and saying, We know that the president has mandated money for this. We know that there's American Rescue Plan money. Make sure it goes to what we're asking for here. Make sure it goes to uh, community reinvestment and violence prevention measures.
1: Exactly. And if you want to join our, our collective effort, you can go to fundpeacenow.com um, and you can sign our petition and join our efforts there. Um, And learn more, you know, if you need some support about what to say and how to say it. But, yes, we need to demand that because the dollars have already been allocated and the president and the federal government has already advised um, our leaders on how to use it. And that's FundPeaceNow? FundPeaceNow.com. Yep.
0: Perfect. Great. Um, Bella. Uh, and anything that, uh, March for our lives, uh, is recommending at the moment, um, any folk, any ways folks can take action, um, with March for our lives, um, it sounds like the for the people act is a major priority in ensuring, um, future gun violence prevention legislation can go through.
4: Yes, exactly. Um, here at March for our lives, we're really focused on passing the for the people act. Uh, we have a peace without police campaign. It's a policing campaign to reimagine public safety. Uh, we're really focused on reimagining public safety at this moment. Um, We'll be launching our policy plan uh, in the upcoming months with, you know, our recommendations for uh, what we believe is going to be the most beneficial in creating gun violence prevention change. Um, And so, you know, here at March for Our Lives, we're just really big on helping communities to, you know, learn how to invest in other uh, areas in their community that would and gun violence. So, you know, putting more money towards education, investing in young people. Um, these are really important aspects. But on the federal level, we're really focused on getting a director of gun violence prevention, uh, passing universal background checks, anything that has to do with gun violence prevention um, and gun trafficking, and straying away from um, over policing and reimagining safety.
2: Wow, you all are doing all the things. Both of you are doing all the things. I mean, greatly appreciate your work and effort. Um, if people want to learn more or follow you, Bella, where can
4: they find that at? Yeah. So if people want to learn more about our mission at March for Our Lives, they can check out marchforourlives.com. Um, you can also check, our, check out our Instagram, which is March for Our Lives, and our Twitter is march. For our lives, um, I believe that's with like the number four. Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. My name is Bella Delosso. Um, I'll follow you back. <laughs> we all, I think, we all honestly need to band together through these times. I think that if you want economic liberation, if you want immigrant liberation, economic or environmental justice, these are all issues that correlate to gun violence prevention. Um, we can achieve liberation through our shared. Fight together. If we realize that things like democracy reform are things that are stopping us from um, being able to have an equitable future, then um, we can band together and create such a strong movement. So, you know, at March for Our Lives, we love to work with other organizations and similar fights for liberation. So, if that's you, please reach out as well. We also have an aid and alliance program. So, we will be investing in organizations that are already doing a lot of work whether on like gun violence prevention work or racial justice work around the country and so if you would like a fund from that please check out our aid and alliance program on our website as well
2: great thank you um, and greg if people want to follow you or learn more where can they find you and where can they learn more about cjaf
1: yes um you can go to cjactionfund.org um, you can follow us on all social media outlets at cjactionfund uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Gregory Jackson um, or on Instagram at the Action Jackson. That's my nickname. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> I would love to would love to have you guys follow us and support us. There's so much work to be done. Um, and I think uh, as tough as things are right now, we've made a tremendous amount of progress over the last couple of years on these issues. Um and so the fact that we have a president that's that's fighting hard for these solutions, um, and now we're just concentrating on our mayors, governors, and congress is a much better place to be than we were uh, two years ago, per se. So hopefully you can join the fight and uh, join our efforts and continue to advocate. But thank you so much.
2: Thank you. Um, is your handle a playoff of the famous Jet Jackson or no? Nope, that was a,
1: that was a, I was picked on about that show as a child. Um, <laughs> but no, <laughs> nope, nope. Action Jackson. It's actually a, a, a film uh, from the 80s uh, called Action Jackson. Y'all should check it out. But that's where my ah. nickname came from. <laughs> OK.
2: Uh, okay, cool. Very cool. Thank you so much. Um, so we're about to wrap up. So, or we are wrapping up. That's all the time we have today. We want to thank you to today's guests, Bella Delacio and Greg Jackson, and also like extend a big thank you to Mark Grimaldi and our communications manager, Emily Leach. And we also want to thank all of our listeners. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you picked up some really important information and opportunities for you to take action. Make sure to check us out, Generation Progress, on Twitter and Instagram using the handle at Progress. Um, we will talk to you again on our next Remote Generation Progress takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. Oh, wait, Bella. Um, th- well, thank you, i was just reading a message. All right, <laughs> thank you for the show, uh, <laughs> talk to you soon. <laughs> Thanks, Edward. good talking to you. You too, Charlotte, see you again on the webs. See you out there. Oh, um, so we still have 60 seconds and I hope you all will take the moment and opportunity to learn more about the gun violence prevention, uh, what's happening within your community around gun violence prevention, um, just like we talked about today. So thank you all.
0: And also don't forget to follow Bella on Twitter. She's at Bella underscore Delasio and Bella with one, two, three, four Ds on Instagram. Give her a follow. Um, And thanks so much. You have been listening to the Generation Progress takeover uh, for for A's (laughs) on the Leslie Marshall Show. Walmart.com is launching Deals for Days starting at 7 p.m. on June 20th with huge savings on the hottest items. Up to 40% off select tech, up to 50% off select toys, and up to 60% off summer fashion items. Get the deals while supplies last. That's Deals for Days starting June 20th at Walmart.com.